following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. Another cloudy, uh, gloomy day here in the Auburn Opelika area. And something that we talked about yesterday and today is just a sad day in uh, in the game of college football in the in the name of sports really uh, Mike Leach uh, the head football coach of Mississippi State passed away late last night um, with his heart complications and health implications as well he has passed away uh, late last night so uh, the the college football world and really the sports world I mean everybody everybody knows who Mike Leach is is and who Mike Leach was Absolutely. Um, and we just we send our condolences and our thoughts and prayers to his family the Mississippi State fans and, and family over there as well uh, it's it's really the top story in college football today we talked about it a little bit yesterday and the family had had asked to respect their privacy and their time right and that's sort of what we did we gave some quick thoughts on it but uh, unfortunately the news came out that uh, he did pass away late last night so uh, big big loss in in college football with Mike Leach uh, passing away he he may not have had the the most wins of any coach right he may not have had just the the prettiest resume right he won at some places that not a lot of people could and sure his winning percentage wasn't 80 percent or anything like that but I think the impact well, there's, is there's very few amount of people that do have a winning percentage right that yeah that high exactly but and, I mean I mean he he took what he took Texas Tech to, by my count, nine, ten straight bowl games. Uh, I mean, he's his career is truly. I mean, it's impressive. This and, guy and, won and at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. Washington State, and Mississippi State. Like, let's just sit back and think about that for a second. He won at those programs and made them relevant in college football. And I think the the most common theme today has been the impact that Mike Leach left right I mean just whether it's on the game whether it's on the people on the fans on the players whoever like it's the impact that Mike Leach led and and really just gave to not just college football but the game of football itself yeah I mean he's he's truly um somebody that I think everybody you talk to will say is a national treasure um somebody that everybody respected somebody that everybody um, was enjoyed interacting with. Uh, he gave an unbelievable press conference every time out. Uh, he gave you, you never knew what he was going to say. You knew it was going to be a unique perspective, and um, it was it was going to make you laugh more than likely. To be yeah. honest with you, um, I don't know. He he always felt like somebody that that that. Uh, tried to impart his wisdom on other people um, 
and I think that he really was a tremendous football coach. I think he was a good person. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that's that's kind of what I my feelings towards towards Mike Leach, and it's a sad day for for uh, his family, Mississippi State, everybody. But it's a sad day for college football. No it's doubt, a sad day for for, for everybody because uh, we lost somebody who truly um, was a beloved figure in in the game of college football. Yeah, and you know he was just always entertaining, right? There was never a dull moment with Mike Leach, and one of my favorite memories of Mike Leach was this past summer in July at SEC Media Days where we know every coach on their day, they come up to the main podium and they give their big opening statement and then they take questions from the media. Then they go bounce around to the smaller media room Mm -hmm. and the radio stations and stuff like that. And you see, you know, you see SEC coaches step up there and they'll talk for 15, 20 minutes like uh, Clark Lee did for Vanderbilt. You see other coaches do that as well. They stand up there, Billy Napier, right? They'll stand up there and they'll talk for 20 minutes about what they want to do this coming up fall and how the summer's gone and what they want to do with their program and the mentality that they're trying to have and the players that they brought in and the coaches that are around them, right? Mike Leach said seven words in his opening, in his opening statement at SEC media days and said, okay. And he wanted questions. And that was, and everybody just, that is who Mike Leach was, right? He just, he's, yeah. everybody else talked for 10 to 20 minutes and he said seven words and that was it. And so that, that was a, a good memory for me. I had a chance to ask him a couple of questions at SEC Media Days and he gave great answers. And sometimes it wasn't good answers for a reporter or writer's standpoint trying to get a quote from him, but he always had something interesting to say. And again, just his impact, right, is what he, what he left on college football so phone lines are open today if you want to call in and give any of your um your stories or your thoughts about mike leach and just your favorite memories from him Uh, obviously auburn got to play against him a few times in uh in our history right in the auburn history he was in his third year as Mississippi State's head coach. So phone lines are open today, 334-321-1390. We're not going to talk about it all day because, I mean, it's it's a huge it's a huge story and it's a lot of sad news, but yeah. I don't just want to just harp on it all day, right? I mean, it's not, it's not something fun to talk about, but it is entertaining to talk about the stories and the person that Mike Leach was, and I think that's really important. So if you have a favorite memory or favorite story or a favorite a game that Mike Leach was a part of, we'd love to hear from you and any tidbit or fact that you have that may not be known by the world or by us, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Again, just a um, sad day in college football that Mike Leach uh, has passed away over in Mississippi. But let's talk about some other things. There are other things going on, right? Especially Especially with Auburn. Yesterday, we started at the end of the show to get into our thoughts about the new offensive and defensive coordinators for Auburn, right? We uh, we had a busy show yesterday and didn't fully get the chance to get into talking about the new hires uh, and the coaching staff as a whole right now for for Auburn and Hugh Freeze and of course still waiting on a wide receiver coach, which is there's some names floating around, but it doesn't seem like they're just that Auburn is super super heavy on trying to get them hired immediately and I think that's been a trend since Hugh Freeze got here was they are not in any hurry to make the hires they're in a hurry to go out and recruit some guys and that's exactly what they've done Uh, they had a big name of official visits this past weekend they've got a lot of names coming this weekend as well Uh, but overall I'm impressed by who Hugh Freeze has hired so far Um, I think it's a lot of guys that I mean there's 
I would say that every hire has been very strong uh, and the only one that is left up to interpretation. The Hugh Freeze detractors are going to knock him for hiring Ron Roberts Mm -hmm. because he was fired at Baylor. We don't know the details of that in terms of like why, like it could be as simple as Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts had a difference of opinions and mm-hmm. how to run the defense and that's what took place i like the hire i think he's a very 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 good defensive coach and something that i heard today that that put it a little more in perspective for me if you want to say that that defense at baylor is dave aranda's you're really talking yourself into i think a loop here because if i recall correctly it was uh, Ron Roberts who basically mentored and and brought Dave Aranda up in the coaching ranks. So if you want to say it's Dave Aranda's defense, well, it's really Ron Roberts' defense. And that's what I like about Ron Roberts is he has a track record of having a good defense. And, you know, there's... There's people that are not super excited about it, or like you said, people just sort of sitting and waiting to see how this hire is going to go. But Roberts may not be the biggest recruiter, right? I mean, that's that's fine. I get that. But I don't think that's why Hugh Freeze hired him, was to recruit. He hired the guy to coach. And that's what is important to me right now. And that's what's different about this group of coaches is, sure, some of them were hired to be recruiters, and that's what you need to do. But who's the best recruiter on this staff? It's Hugh Freeze, and he knows that. And that's what Hugh Freeze is going to do is recruit. I'm not sure he's the best recruiter on the staff. He believes it. In terms of putting down all all the groundwork. I think he's the best closer Closer. on the staff. That's a better way to put it. That's a better way to put it. I think you're going to have guys like Wesley McGriff, like Zach Etheridge, like Jeremy Garrett, Jake Thornton, Mm -hmm. these Cadillac I think you're going to have a lot of these coaches do a lot of the groundwork, set it all up, and basically load the deck on bases and then bring in Hugh Freeze to right. hit the grand slam there yeah. and seal it. And that's a better way to put it. It, it. But Hugh Freeze believes that, right? And that's his system, and that's what he wants to do. He didn't hire Roberts to come in and say, hey, I need you to be on the recruiting trail uh, 24-7 and try to get every single guy you can. No, he said he's going to hire a guy on the defensive side of the football and let them be a coach. And that's exactly what I think Roberts is going to be is – and defensive coordinator he is going to be the defensive coach and he's going to be able to sit in the sit in his office draw up plays scheme up things and when recruits come by he'll stand up talk to them and and be personal with them but I don't see Roberts being the guy that's in the living room a whole lot and that's okay like if that's something that is happening it's okay we don't have to worry about that because that's what your head coach is for yeah, yeah. I mean, I what I love about it, and I've talked to to a buddy of mine, um, and about it, and he he's very big on this idea from from the people he talks to and everything. I love the fact that this is going to allow Hugh Freeze to go all in on re- recruiting himself, because not only do you have a former head coach at Tulsa running your offense, Ron Roberts has been a head coach at the college level as well. Mm-hmm. And now you've got somebody who's been at the top. They know what it's like. And now when you look down, they're great X's and O's, O's guys. They can command 
the meeting room on both sides of the ball, and that frees Hugh Freeze up, which that's a little bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> that frees Hugh Freeze up to to um, go all in on recruiting, to be on the phone with prospects, to to continue. To, he, now he can help be be a part of that group mm-hmm. that lays the groundwork to to land players, and all you're seeing. I haven't seen positive momentum in recruiting like this since I don't even know. Would it be the early Malzahn tenure? That's, that's be, what I was thinking. Would, would, would it be the way that Malzahn salvaged that that yeah. the end of that last Chiswick class into his first class by keeping Carl Lawson and those kind of guys? Mm-hmm. Would it be that? I think it might be. Yeah, I think you could you could definitely make that comparison, and that's what should have Auburn fans excited right now. It really should because when Hugh Freeze was hired, we know there were some iffy fans, right? There, and, and respectively so, right? That's totally fine. There were people that were worried about the hire, didn't like the hire, hated the hire, even, and. I think everybody could agree that the recruiting was really really bad like when Hugh Freeze took over or whoever it was going to be that took over we knew they had a lot of work to do they had a lot of ground to make up in a very 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 short amount of time I mean we are I mean we're a week away from the early signing day right I mean we're eight days away from quote early signing day it's aka signing day but Hugh Freeze had very very little time and look at what he's already done, right? He's already gotten some guys. There's a lot of momentum with a lot more players. He has recruited more in two weeks than Brian Harson ever did in a year and a half. I will, I will confidently say that. I think that there's a couple dominoes that could fall to build momentum, but the signing day dominoes that could change everything would be Quay Russo and James Smith. Mm-hmm. If you go land two five-stars on the defensive line, and if you go land a certain portal quarterback out there that we talked about yesterday that quite literally might be the greatest fit for a Hugh Freeze offense that's ever lived. Yeah. If you go land those three, I think you're going to reload a lot faster than we thought. Yeah. I think I think the thought process of 8 and 4, which was kind of the like ideal like if everything goes according to plan in 23, I think that becomes more of your your median option, your your average um, outcome for mm-hmm. the twenty twenty three season. And I think it's important too when we talk this in this next week or so recruiting. Recruiting and transfer portal go hand in hand right now. I mean, you are recruiting guys in the transfer portal, and you pick them up and know they're not going to be committing and signing on national signing day, right? But they are committing to your school and you are having to actively recruit those guys when they are in the transfer portal. It's just like a high school player. Uh, It's the exact same. It's pretty similar. I shouldn't say the exact, but it's pretty similar. I mean, you're going to a guy that's leaving a school and you're trying to compete with other schools and convince him why he should come to your school. It's condensed. It's very condensed. And something that I, I believe I saw this on, on Auburn live, Mm -hmm. um, what is key to me and is indicative of what um, what you think is going to take place with with this um, portal cycle mm-hmm. with Grayson McCall is I think the initial contact was initiated from Grayson McCall. 
Okay. Which I think is key because that tells you that when he hits the portal, his thought process, Auburn is on that list. Yeah. Well, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about Grayson McCall. We'll talk about a couple of other players that are in the portal and recruiting wise that you sort of hit on just a second ago, Carter, that Auburn really, really could benefit to hit from. So look, phone lines are open. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Trey Wallace. He covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, We talk to him every Tuesday at 3.30. So we'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. But until then, phone lines are wide open, folks. Anything you want to talk about Auburn, uh, recruiting, Hugh Freeze, the staff if you want to talk about Mike Leach and your stories or, or hit you know um, memories that's what I was looking for memories of him we'd love to hear from you on that as well phone lines are open 334-321-1390 more of on the line when we come back you are on the line on ESPN 1067 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Question of the day. We'd love to hear from you about this. Who are some of the players in the transfer portal slash recruiting? And we again, we touched on this a little bit already, but we'd love to hear from you. Who are the players in the transfer portal and in high school recruits that Auburn could greatly benefit from or just borderline has to go and get in the next few weeks? 334-321-1390. This is, I mean, if you, you can have a field day with this one. We're going to start with, well, one, Grayson McCall. Yes. Because <laughs> he, is a, he is a one-year uh, one guy. Mm-hmm. Poten- I guess potentially he could play two, but I don't think he's going to. I think he's... As long as he, God forbid him get hurt or take a step back, he's a one-year guy. I don't think he's going to take a step back. But I, I, I don't but, either. But, but, but I do believe that, that he's the kind of guy who... If he doesn't go pro right now, which personally I'm going to lean towards no, because that's mm-hmm. that's still on the table. Because when you go look at the quarterback ratings for the 2023 draft class, he's not very high on it. Mm-mm. He's an awesome player, unbelievable college player. And I think, to me, that's a knock of him being at Coastal Carolina. They ran a basically an altered version of the triple option, and he threw out of it uh, and threw very well out of it. And then I think it's competition level being at the G5 level that maybe there's concerns about that from the NFL perspective. Could be. And and, um, maybe he wasn't able to show his full skill set. But I think in Auburn and a Hugh Freeze offense, you're upgrading talent level to the SEC West. If he comes in and plays extremely well, he could be a one-and-done kind of guy to the NFL. And I think that right now, I think that would be the best-case scenario for Auburn because it gives Robbie Ashford a year to get healthy after Mm -hmm. he was banged up all year, a year to develop under actual quarterback developers, which I think is key. And then it, it sets you up in this portal class because if you go get a quarterback that moves the the needle becomes a lot easier to land portal offensive linemen, to land portal receivers, mm-hmm. to even go land a portal running back that you might need. Heck, it may have an impact on the defensive side of the ball because people are like, "Hey, we can go, we can go together to Auburn, and we can win." And it may impact high school recruiting and early signing day if you could get this guy to 
commit within the next few days, you could get some last-minute flips, possibly. I'm not saying it, it'll think, happen, but... I think it would have a far greater impact on the transfer portal class mm-hmm. than it would the the high school recruiting class because they'll probably have a similar mindset that, hey, he'll be there for a year. That's fair. And, he'll and, yeah, he'll, that's he'll be fair. there for the year, and, and the chances of a high schooler coming in and immediately starting and that impacting him day one are yeah. not the highest. Uh, it could impact for some, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, I think it would show signs that that um, Auburn's turning back on. Like all, mm-hmm. The rebuild is, is taking place. The engine has been revved and it's ready to go and it's happening quicker than people thought. Uh, because I mean, we've seen schools do this before. We've seen schools to to borrow a term from Splits on Duo, portal up. Yeah. And and this would be a great example of that. Other names that I think could be unbelievable un, have an unbelievable impact here. Quay Russo, James Smith. We talked about them last last segment. Mm-hmm. To me, Quay Russo feels like the guy, the key of these two. Because they're best friends and they want to play with each other, and Quay feels like the one who. I mean, he's the one that that talks the most in the media. He's the one that. Uh, I feel like he's the key because of the fact that you've always heard that he grew up an Auburn fan, that he loves Auburn, that and you look at the amount of times that these two have come to Auburn this year. If you land Quay, I think that gives you a great shot at James Smith. If you land those two, then I think you start looking around to to guys like Connor Liu, DJ Chester on the offensive line. You start looking to to transfer offensive linemen as well. The kid from Rhode Island would be a grand slam mm-hmm. because he is he. When I last last time I looked at it, he was the highest rated. Offensive lineman in the transfer portal, I think it was due to, uh, or, or I think it was that was on on three. I don't know where he stands now. I'm actually trying to find it as we speak. Yeah. Well, while you're finding that, I think it's important to to make sure people understand. Right on Friday, we had our good buddy Jack Hudden in here, who was talking about you know if you were to go and get all of these guys. Oh yeah, uh, a Johnny Cornelius is the number two player in the entire transfer portal. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So and, and Jack was talking. You know, if if Auburn were to go and get all of these guys, we were talking about expectations of where the class could be, where Auburn could go transfer portal wise and stuff, and how you could get possibly top fifteen, top ten. Here's the reality, though. Out of all of these guys that we talk about that Auburn could possibly go and get, they're not going to get all of them. And this that's is what true. is important. You this have to true. remember that. But I think Auburn in the last couple of weeks stands in a much, much better spot to land them than where they did two weeks ago, right? So it's it's important to realize that Auburn's not going to get everybody. As much as we would love Absolutely. to see that, and as much as it would benefit Auburn, they're not going to get them all. But I think they have a chance to get a lot of those players and that you just talked about. There's a lot of players that we have not mentioned yet that I think Auburn uh, maybe has a sneaky chance to get or maybe an outside chance to get, but you just never know with early signing day and with the transfer portal. But Auburn has potential to get some really, really big names, and Hugh Freeze and this staff are a huge, huge, huge reason why. Names that, and just the quarterback position and the transfer portal that we have heard 
Auburn at least mentioned for. Devin Leary, DJU, Spencer Sanders, Grayson McCall. That's four of the top five quarterbacks in the portal right now. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you're if you're picking one right now that was going to be on Auburn's roster, I would lean toward it toward it being Gr- Grayson McCall. But I I just think that this is you've got a chance to make an immediate impact there. Uh, if you look at offensive line, it feels like there's a lot more guys in the portal than there have been in the past. Um, and I believe that Auburn's going to go out there and they're going to land several, several, several offensive linemen in the portal because they need guys to come in and be able to play immediately. Speaking of quarterbacks in the portal, did you see one of the uh, big names who was in the portal and decided to return? Western Kentucky's quarterback. Yes, which which I found interesting. I did too. I thought he absolutely could have portaled up for a second time in his career. Mm -hmm. He went from D2 to FBS. I think he could have gone Power 5 and played very, very, very well kid's really really good yes. but he's returning to western kentucky so good for him uh, we've got a lot more to talk about here in our number one give us a call we'd love to hear from you anything you want to talk about 334-321-1390 ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, something that we found uh, during the break that I think is important uh, for uh, for every all of our listeners to, uh, to hear, obviously the news of Mike Leach passing away, Mississippi State head coach, is the news around college football today. But new Auburn Athletic Director John Cohen uh, joined the SEC Network earlier today. Of course, he used to be the Mississippi State Athletic Director. He hired Mike Leach as Mississippi State's head football coach. He joined the SEC Network earlier today and had about a three-minute interview just talking about Mike Leach and his impact on the game, why he hired him, the relationship that those guys had. So I think it's important. It's a really, really good interview. It's only about three minutes long, so we're going to play that again. This is John Cohen. He joined the SEC Network. This is from their Twitter page. Uh, They tweeted out this clip a little bit ago. John Cohen, Auburn's athletic director, talking about uh, the late, great Mike Leach. So that was uh, John Cohen, of course, Auburn's athletic director on SEC Now. That was via the SEC Network Twitter. Uh, so uh, that we just we were able to pull that in and play that for you guys. That was Auburn's athletic director, John Cohen, of course, used to be the Mississippi State athletic director, hired Mike Leach, giving his thoughts about uh, the late Mike Leach, who, of course, passed away uh, late last night. And he talked about how Mike Leach was different, but it was also different to be at Mississippi State, which... It's true, and Mike oh, yeah. Leach was a different person, right? He he was not your standard college football coach, but, I mean, just a great hire for Mississippi State and Absolutely. for the SEC, no doubt about it. Well, I mean, also, you're going to see, there's going to be, you're going to see evidence of Mike Leach in college football for years to come because mm-hmm. here's his coaching tree right now. Dave Aranda at Baylor, Neil Brown at West Virginia, Sonny Cumbie at Louisiana Tech, Sonny Dykes at TCU, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, Dana Holgerson at Houston, Cliff Kingsbury with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Lincoln Riley at USC, and Ken Wilson at Nevada. You're going to see evidence of the impact of Mike Leach 
it's going to carry out for years and years and years to come. I mean, he's like the godfather of the air raid in college football, and all of those offenses have a little bit of that. I would say Aranda being a defensive coach, it probably has less of an effect, but Lincoln Riley has air raid concepts in his offense. So mm-hmm. does Cliff Kingsbury. So does so do uh, does Dana Holgerson, Josh Heupel, Sonny Dykes, yeah, Josh Heupel for sure. Yeah, and and, and I think that that you're going to be able to look at the game of college football and still feel Mike Leach's impact from from what he meant to the game, and I mean what what people were able to learn from him, and I think he was. Um, phenomenal in that aspect, and you heard that clip from from John Cohen about how he had the backs of his staff, and from that you you get a lot of you build that that relationship and that trust, and your staff is able to pick up, learn from you, pick up pieces of what you're teaching them, and uh, I think that it's going to be in college football for a long time. I remember at SEC Media Days talking to some of the Mississippi State players that they had brought with them, and I asked them the question. I asked all three of them the same question. I said, compare Mike Leach on and off the football field because obviously we know what, and I said on and off the football field, but even like what he shows to the media versus what he doesn't show to the media, right? I said, compare those two versions of Mike Leach, and they said, there is no difference. They said it's the exact same. I mean, he is a he's a laid back, chill guy. But they also told me they said there's a time where it's time to buckle up and go to work, and they would do that, and they would be ready to go, physical, ready to play, and all of that. Whether it was practice, game, summer workouts, whatever. But there was also a really chill side of Mike Leach, you know, dance parties and, and funny <laughs> jokes and doing all that type of stuff, right? So the the version of Mike Leach that we all saw, whether it be on the field at SEC media days sideline reporter press conferences whatever he was the same guy behind on the other side of the camera right when the cameras weren't on when the microphones weren't on Mike Leach was who he was and it's I think that's extremely important in today's game I think it is something you don't see not just in football but in life I mean people with the power of social media and the internet, you can be whoever you want to be. And Mike Leach was exactly who he advertised himself as, a, a very fun guy, uh, somebody that his players loved playing for. You want to talk about a player's coach? Mike Leach was a player's coach. Guys loved playing for him for what we saw, what we were told. And uh, again, just a huge, huge loss in the game of college football. But I wanted to play that. We found that during the break as we were sort of scrolling through Twitter on our laptops here. And uh, good words from John Cohen, of course, used to be the athletic director of Mississippi State hired Mike Leach so they have a big relationship so yeah and and you see just the the um the tweets the words out there by Mike Leach from across all of college football you know the respect that he has I mean I just literally name searched him on Twitter second tweet that popped up was one time Mike Leach told one of his players he wasn't going to play probably at all but that he'd he'd have to start coaching as a student as a assistant the kid got mad and left his office came back the next day and took the job do you know who that was Hmm. lincoln riley wow yeah and you 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 get stories like that about a guy like mike leach and i mean he's impacted so many people's lives and changed people's lives for for the better Mm -hmm. and you, you you just see as you look from all the people that have reached out to his family have reached out to mississippi state 
Um, he's truly one of the beloved figures in college football history. And I've seen a lot of people uh, on Twitter today who have, you know, the argument has started to come up of, is Michael H a Hall of Famer? And technically, there is a rule where you have to have a 60% winning percentage at the FBS level to be considered a Hall of Famer. You know what his winning percentage is? It's 59% and some change. Mm -hmm. And so there are people who are pushing to get that rule changed in general, but also get that rule changed for this. Because I think in in the name of the Hall of Fame, which Hall of Fame in general for a lot of sports has become a popularity contest, in my opinion, and has become something that's not even really earned. It's just sort of given at this point, And that's a whole separate conversation. But in this instance, Mike Leach is a Hall of Fame football coach. Does he have the technical win percentage? No, but I think it goes past the numbers on the field. The guy has, and we just talked about the impact he has had on this year's Heisman Trophy finalists and the coaches in college football right now and the offenses that are ran in high school college and professional football I mean it goes past the winning percentage for me when it comes to the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. that's what it's about and Mike Leach's impact on the game of football itself makes him a Hall of Famer in my case in, in my book so I hope they find a way to get him in I think he deserves it and it's not just because of the bad news and him passing away he's a Hall of Famer regardless in my opinion so yeah I mean I I mean Hall of Fames are are should be designed, and a lot of them are designed to be able to tell the story of that sport. Mm-hmm. So, for in college football, you can't tell the complete story of college football without Mike Lee, especially the last twenty two years. Yeah, I mean, you 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 talk about the his fingerprints are are all over the game from coast to coast. Uh, I mean, you've got. The moments at Texas Tech, the Michael Crabtree catch to to beat Texas, that is a famous moment uh, in in the Big 12 history, Mm -hmm. and especially to Texas Tech and everything about that moment. You've got what he did at Washington State. He took over one of the worst programs in the country at Washington State and made them relevant, and they've been able to be relevant since he left gave them two nine win seasons and an 11 and two season his his second to last year in 2018 yeah i mean he's he's truly um i mean he did he didn't he win the uh yeah he, he won he, the alamo he, he won a a division in the in the pac-12 yeah at Washington yeah, yeah. state uh-huh. which if we're just talking tiers of schools in the pac-12 or no 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 i'm i'm, I'm looking at the uh well i'm looking at both really Tiers of schools in the Pac-12, Washington State, they may not be in the first two tiers in that mm. conference. I was going to say bottom third. Yeah. I mean, you, you've you got Oregon, USC, I guess, U, UCLA. Um, I guess you've got the Arizona schools, which I would honestly consider those tier two. Middle of the pack, yep. Then I would um, throw, I mean, you've got Washington up there too in tier one. But... Washington State is not a tra- traditional powerhouse. Mm-mm. So for him to do what he did there, for him to do what he did at Texas Tech, it's nothing short of r- remarkable. Honestly, and I know that there may be people that disagree with this, I thought he was doing a great job at Mississippi State. A great job there. He went 4-7 and seven in year one in the pandemic year. You can absolutely give him a pass for that. But then when you look at the fact that that – 
He goes seven and six, then eight and four. Like things were trending up. Things were getting better. That team was good this year. They just weren't there. You're in the AFC West, and you're and you're limited to an extent by the fact that you're locked in there with the best schools in the country. Well, those three schools, Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State, let's just let's just say it how it is because that's what we like to do here. Those teams are not going to ever be consistently competing for national championships. In today's game of college football, they're just not going to do it. But Mike Leach, over the last 22 years of Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State, he took three programs that had no business being good in college football and made them good in college football while implementing his own offensive system that caught fire in the game of football. That's impressive to me. Historically, as a program, Mississippi State is a below 500 team over the, its entire tenure as a college football program. Mm-hmm. Then they've won one conference title in 1941. They won one un, or they have one unclaimed national championship in 1940. They won the division one time in 1998. When you take that context and you look at what Mike Leach did there in his three years. He was one of the, in a short period of time, one of the better coaches they had had. Yeah, and, you know, again, there were there were starting to be some rumblings that his health may not have been great. Um, you, Carter, were one of the people who had thought possibly he could hang it up with just how the seasons have gone and how, you know, his with those things being said, not that you knew anything or anything like that, but there were other people as well that were starting to think maybe Mike Leach was nearing the end of his coaching career. He's been doing this a long time, right? And unfortunately, uh, he had some health issues. He had a, a health emergency, and he passed away late last night. But just, just talking about, and again, we didn't plan on talking about it this long, but I'm glad we did. I think it's a great conversation. He's one of the biggest names in college football, and every everybody knows who Mike Leach is and somehow has been impacted uh, by Mike Leach. And so, again, just thoughts and prayers going to his family and, and Mississippi State over there in Starkville because he truly was one of the greats. And it was always uh, a, a really enjoyable time watching him. Did you see Lane Kiffin's statement today about Mike Leach? He had a, he, he released a really, really good statement. We'll talk about it when we come back. We'll wrap up our number one. Any thoughts that you have about Mike Leach or anything else going on in the game of college football in the world of sports? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, continuing our conversation uh, like the majority of college football uh, media and fans today, uh, remembering the late, great Mike Leach. And before we went to break, I was asking Carter if he had seen the statement from Hugh Freeze, or not from uh, Hugh Freeze, from Lane Kiffin, excuse me, uh, as he released a statement today. Of course, Lane Kiffin, old Mrs. head coach, uh, rival of Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl, and... Lane Kiffin released a really, really good statement today. Uh, It was 
you know, it's Lane Kiffin. You know, he's one of those you just don't know what he's going to say. But at this moment, yeah. uh, he gave a really, really good statement. So this was official from Lane Kiffin. He said, "I truly love Coach Leach and every minute I shared with him. I have been able to work with several of his former players and coaches, and they have told so many amazing stories about the impact he had on their lives. Going back to our years together in the Pac-12, I have always felt tremendous respect and admiration for Coach, his unique personality and his innovative mind. And I can't imagine college." football without him i'm grateful to be part of his final win hug him and watch him walk off like the winner that he is i know god is welcoming the pirate home now signed lane kiffin so great statement from him man i i again you just don't know what you're going to get from lane kiffin sometimes but a great statement from him yeah and of course mississippi state did beat Ole miss in the egg bowl so mike leach did get to walk off the field the last time with a victory over Ole miss so if you were to write up uh, a, a storybook ending i know it's a sad story but if you were to write it up you couldn't do it any better than that i don't think yeah and then i mean if you i think everybody is taking a moment taking today to to remember mike leach i mean in the auburn New in the Waltos Performance Center right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I you saw walk that. in. It says it's got the Mississippi State logo. And it says in loving memory of a of a legend, Mike Leach, nineteen sixty one to two thousand twenty two, and then it's got, it's got his picture on the other side. Yeah, I mean, how many coaches in America? Just being not to be mean, but how many college football coaches in America ha- would have this amount of impact? Right, I, I just don't know if there are that many. I mean, there's a handful, but I would say I would say. If you're going down the list, um, Saban, yeah, obviously Saban, Mac Brown, probably, yeah, it'd be it'd be your your coaching lifers that have done it for so long, and it just shows that the entire country, the entire college football world, uh, has been shaking and talking about this news today uh, again. Remembering the late, great Mike Leach. We'll mention it again in hour number two a little bit, but we've got to get to the break when we come back. Hour number two coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, December 13th, 2022, as we just creep right along through the month of December, getting closer and closer to Christmas, closer and closer to the start of the new year. Uh, We just had a graduation this past weekend over at Auburn University, and um, that was crazy to to me that I graduated in August and it's crazy that the semester is over just like that that are already another graduating class at Auburn but uh, congratulations to Mackenzie obviously she used to be our intern here she still helps out here and there but she graduated over the weekend so congratulations to her she'll actually here's an update she will actually be joining me here in studio on Friday because you will not be here 
Yes, I will be going to to a wedding. Yep. Uh, and so you chose that over the show, which that's okay. Well, I mean, it's a <laughs> sophomore year of college uh, roommate. I know, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. But Mackenzie will be joining me in studio. She'll be our producer like she used to be. But she will be joining me on the air as well. Uh, we'll have Jack Cutton in here uh, for a little bit on Friday. So it'll be a little bit of a different show, but exciting and looking forward to it. She is excited as well. So she will be joining us, and congratulations to her uh, for graduating over the weekend. But, yeah, man, we are we are cruising right along through the month of December. And uh, lots to talk about. Uh, if you missed anything from the first hour be sure to go and catch up with the podcast you can find it right after the show commercial free at espnau.com you can click on the podcast center and find it all right there or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it should be there as well um lots of mike leach talk in the first hour we did talk some uh, auburn football recruiting and transfer portal stuff we're going to get into that some more in just a minute but phone lines are open 334-321-1390 later on on in the show at 3.30. We'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, we talk to him every Tuesday, so looking forward to that conversation as well. I'm interested to see what he has to say about Mike Leach. I'm sure he'll have some some really nice words uh, to say about Mike Leach. So again, phone lines are open. Until then, though, we'd love to hear from you. Anything you'd like to say uh, about Mike Leach, favorite stories, favorite games, uh, anything you want to talk about with Auburn football, Auburn basketball, uh, as they get ready to play tomorrow, anything on your mind, okay? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And Carter, we've set a lot of our are, are things that we wanted to say about Mike Leach, so we won't uh, we won't harp on it too much here in this hour. But of course, Mike Leach, uh, Mississippi State head football coach, passed away late last night uh, with some uh, health conditions, some heart conditions, right? That uh, some underlying conditions that uh, unfortunately took his life. And uh, the impact is something we've talked about, and I think that is the common theme is. Was he just the greatest coach of all time? No, but he was a solid coach. He won at places that not many people could, and he touched just about everybody in every program in the game of college football in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you're um, like we've been talking about. You're, you're going to see the impacts of him. Um, it's going to be a part of of college football for years and years and years to come. I mean, he he made a significant impact and. Um, changed the lives, I guess, of so many people. And yeah, I mean, that's that's Mike Leach's legacy is going to to live on for years and years and years to come. Yeah. Well, again, we we hit a lot on it in the first hour, and so want to uh, want to kind of move on a little bit. Of course, it's it's being talked about all over sports today, and it is a really big deal. And again, if you have anything you'd like to say, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. As Carter goes and answers the phone, we will do that in just a second. But again, reminder: we'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick. We'll talk to him at about three thirty. Uh, get his thoughts on Mike Leach and everything else going on around the SEC. But let's get to uh, the phone lines in just a second. We'll do that as Carter uh, wraps up that. We'll get to the phone lines. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 is the number. We'll get to the phone lines now. Todd, you are on the line. Welcome in. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. How are you, man? Doing good. Uh, Yeah, I feel bad about Mike Leach, but I actually wanted to talk about Auburn basketball if I could. Yeah, absolutely. What you got? Um, I was at the game on on uh, Saturday, okay. and um, I, I, I think first of all, I think Memphis is a lot better than than uh, their ranking would indicate. They're eight and two, and um, 
it was interesting. I thought we got I thought we got bullied uh, in a way that we yep. haven't you know this year so far. Yeah. Um, you look you look at the way that they controlled the glass, and you look at the way that. I thought they were. I thought Memphis was really patient on offense, and they would get the matchup that they wanted on defense through switching or whatever they would do, and then they would just go to that person and and score. I mean, Davis just killed Wendell Green. <laughs> yeah, he, he he blew by multiple guards on Auburn for all day long. I mean, he was so impressive. Was he their conference player of the year? I think he was conference player of the year. Correct. Yes, I I, I think he was. Either last year he won the AAC Player of the Year, or he was maybe preseason one of those two, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, he was he was as good as advertised, and and I rarely do you see Wendell get, particularly Wendell, rarely do you see Wendell get outplayed like that. But mm-hmm. he really, um, he really did get dominated. The other thing that I, the, the thing that I am, you know, of course everybody's overreacting to Bruce and and to the team. I mean, it's a single loss. Um, yeah. We have to shoot the ball. We have to shoot the ball better, but we, we are still a very, very formidable team. But mm-hmm. um, uh, One thing that I, does perplex me, and it's perplexed me really for the last, since, since this season started and some of last year, is how little we get out of our half-court offense. Yes. Um, yeah. And I'm not really sure what it is. When I was at the game, I was kind of focusing on that. And, I, and it seems like half the time we run our half-court offense, in the middle of the half court offense, like we've just missed something. Like, oh God, why didn't you, you know, why didn't you pass the ball there? Or somebody did something wrong. And I don't know what your thoughts on that, but it does. It one thing that is true is that we get very, very little out of our half court offense. Yes, yeah. and that has been and Todd. I'll tell you, that's been a trend for Auburn and under Bruce Pearl for years now. Is it, it, look, and you look back at like the Final Four teams and even the teams before them and some of the teams after them, they love to get out in transition, right? That's where yeah. they score a lot of their points is in transition, force turnovers on defense, get out and run, either get the layup, get the dunk, or kick it out for a knockdown three. That's where Auburn has scored a lot of their points over the years, and they haven't had to use the half-court offense a lot. But on this year's team, early on, they're not forcing a ton of turnovers, and they're not getting out in transition a ton because of a lot of made baskets they're having to set up in the half court offense which Todd I just don't think is that it's really I, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is it's just not that dynamic there's not a whole lot to it I said yesterday that that I think that what we are seeing so far this year is just how much Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler kind of covered up some of the glaring um shortcomings of that roster last year because every time down the court you you could have these same kind of possessions that feel very stagnant not a lot of movement and then with five six seconds left on the shot clock you could give it to Jabari and Jabari anywhere on the court had the ability to rise up over whoever was guarding him and could get a good look and had a really decent shot of making any shot on the court and then if you if you drove at all you could kind of just throw it in that six foot radius around the rim, and you knew you knew Walker Kessler was big and tall and athletic and long enough to go get it and and either lay it in or dunk it. And I think that those two guys covered up a lot of the shortcomings of the offense last year. And I think now you're seeing a team that doesn't really have a feel for for where to turn to next. Well, I I do. I think you guys both hit on something that is perplexing to me as well, which very little offense out of transition. 
it, it is weird. We have been we have not been effective at scoring a lot in transition, and that was not the case with some of the prior teams. We scored a lot in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that, that, I guess I will disagree with you a little bit in the in the in that Walker. I mean, Walker was not a great offensive player, particularly in the half court. No, and, that's, and Jabari, that's fair, one hundred percent. I just think that the screen and roll game with the ability to throw it up and let him go get it. That's something that you don't have right now. Yeah, so I mean, Bruce runs that flex offense, and and you got to have people who can score down low. And it does seem well. First of all, nobody in today's basketball. And I'm going to sound like an old man here, but nobody in today's basketball knows how to pass the ball into the post because nobody posts up <laughs> in today's right. basketball. And I hate saying that because it, it adds, I feel like it adds 15 years to my age. But no, um, we won't. We won't judge. Uh, but I mean, and we have been able to get the ball to Broom a good bit in the half court, and he's just been very inconsistent with how he's scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is, uh, yeah, we don't get a. It's a very stagnant offense at times. We don't get a lot of action out of it, and um, I don't know. That that seems that is a that is a to me that's a realistic complaint of Bruce. I've heard people calling saying he's an average coach and an average recruiter. It's like no, he's not. He's right. really, 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 really good. And people forget we how just how bad we were before he got here. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Look, we as Auburn media, Auburn fans, right, are very, very spoiled with Bruce Pearl as an Auburn basketball coach. And it's very easy for us to now that we've had years of success and covering it for years. Now that they've had success, now it's easy for us to say, okay. Well, let's start nitpicking a little bit. But I don't think this is nitpicking, Todd. The offense is a it is a worry. I'm telling you, I am I am worried about the offense if something doesn't change. I, I something that I'm I'm looking at Kim Palm right now. The effective field goal per, percentage metric, and then the three point uh, percentage. Yeah. Auburn is 260th and 330th in the country, Woo. and those are tough right now to overcome. You're an unbelievable de- defensive team, and an adjusted efficiency for defense, you're the number nine Probably defense the, I, in the I, country. I actually believe this, this team I believe this team is better on defense than last year's team. Agreed. Yeah, no, I I'm 100% with you. agree, because I think you, you've got more bodies that are, that are all, uh, as, as a whole, I think it's a much better team defense. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That Those, uh, those Ken Palm statistics are... A review. I mean, we do have. Bottom line is, we do have to shoot the ball better. Just period. You know, mm, yep. no further explanation needed. Yep. And and we'll see. I, which I wish he would play Berman a little bit more. Agreed. Um, to bring to bring some of that balance. I think he's so afraid of, of playing guys who can't play defense. But we're so good at so many positions on defense. I wouldn't mind. Um, I think we can afford having a guy be maybe average on defense, but but being you know, more elite from the outside. So we'll see. These are nice problems to have in some ways. And we're what well, we have one loss, and so. No big deal, but I think I do think it's this is an interesting, going to be a really good team. Yeah, I'm with you. It's yeah, it's it's a nice it's a nice life to live when you can complain about your first loss of the season halfway through December. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, great show, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate, appreciate you calling it, in. Todd. Appreciate the nice words as well, Todd. That is Todd joining us. You, we'd love for you to join in as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And uh, yeah, I mean he's right. The offense, a you got to shoot better, and b something we talked about on after the game when I called in. Something we talked about yesterday on the show. Bruce Pearl's offense is nothing extraordinary I mean and, and I don't think he would tell you it was and that's not me saying that Bruce is a horrible coach or whatever whatever because he's not he's the best thing that has ever happened and will ever happen to Auburn basketball but there's got to be something that changes and I think that Bruce Pearl is one of those guys who he's an old school coach right he has his way He's going to do it because it is successful, right? It, he has mm-hmm. been successful everywhere he's been. He has taken this Auburn team to the tournament multiple times. He's taken them to the Final Four. But this is a different Auburn team because they can't shoot. 
They can't. And you're going to have to find a way to, I'm not saying just ditch the offense that he runs right now because it's gotten him to where he is. But you got to adjust it a little bit. And you've got to tell your players to adjust as well because what you're doing right now is not going to win you games in the SEC. I promise. I promise you that it's going to happen. The defense is great. It's great. Yes. And it's going to keep Auburn in every single game. It did on Saturday against Memphis. Even as bad as they played, they still were in the game because of the defense. But this offense just isn't going to outscore anybody. And that worries me. So in the in the effective field goal and then also the three-point percentage from last year to this year, you are 82, 82 spots worse in effective field goal percentage to this point in the season. And I know it's still early. that There's plenty of time to sw- change that around. Which is important to know. And then you are 61 spots worse at three-point per, uh, percentage. You're also... By the way, you're not a good free throw shooting team at all. Oh my gosh, no. You You want to talk about shooting, that plays into it. 282nd in the country this year in free throw shooting. Last year, you were 126th. And you know what plays into wins and losses in March? Free throw shooting. Yes. Big time. I mean, big time. So that's a struggle. And again, here's my thing is I love this team, and I think there's unbelievable talent on this team. These guys have been playing basketball for 19 to 22 years, their entire lives. I have the legitimate concern, and it's a realistic take in my opinion. If you disagree, please let me know. They're not just going to wake up tomorrow and just all of a sudden be able to shoot 10 for 15% better, right? I mean, they're just not going to be able to do that. Now, I do think you can run an offense that puts them in better situations to take better quality shots, which leads to more quality makes. That is true. But these guys aren't just going to wake up and just all of a sudden be able to shoot better than they did on Saturday. And I just, that is my concern. And that's why Bruce, as the head coach and the rest of the coaching staff as well, you've got to find what your offense is and what offense you can run to generate high quality shots and give these guys a chance to make high quality shots. Take make high quality shots and give them the chance to make them because the step back threes and fadeaway jumpers and and contact layups that we're seeing right now that they're not making that's not going to win you games in the sec and it's not going to win you games in march and that concerns me how about this if you look at the game by game projections for auburn according to kim pom the first loss is from right now from from this point to to your your next loss i guess let's let's put it that way It has it pegged as Saturday, January 28th at West West Virginia, Virginia. which, how about that? If they pull off a run here where they beat Georgia State, USC, Washington, and go into conference play, and you get that first win against Florida, Florida, you get that win against a good Arkansas team, uh, you beat Ole Miss on the road, you, you beat LSU on the road, that'd be an impressive run all the way to that West Virginia game. Now, the other thing... The final three games at the end of the year. I guarantee it's got Auburn losing all three of them. Yes. You want to know why? Because as it stands right now, that's the number six, number 10, and number three teams in the Ken Palm to finish your regular season. Gosh. No, no, no. You just, or just, just in, general? in general. Okay. Okay. But still, I mean, and yeah, we talked about it. If you look at the January SEC schedule for Auburn, it's really not that bad. It is, it is the easier side of the SEC schedule without a doubt because, yes, in that month of February and that early part of March, yeah, you end with Kentucky, Alabama, and Tennessee who are – 
three of the best teams in the conference. They're in that mix for the five best teams in the SEC. And I mean, there's just no doubt about that. That's a tough stretch. So if Auburn can get through Florida and Arkansas, I'll be impressed at that point. Get through January, be feeling good about themselves, and find some form of offense, again, to give these guys high-quality shots, and then they just got to knock them down. We saw on Saturday, there were down the stretch, there were multiple missed layups. Those are things that can't happen. Missed free throws cannot happen. I don't understand. I get it. It's basketball, the situation, all that. You don't have to explain that to me. But you got to shoot better from the free throw line than what you're doing right now as a team. And nothing makes me more mad than a guard that can't consistently shoot free throws because that's what you're doing is shooting the basketball. So, look, there are concerns. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer and be like, oh, this Auburn team has no hope. They have a lot of hope and they have a lot of potential. And we talked about it before the season. This team has a lot of potential and a ton of talent and could potentially be one of the best teams that Auburn has had and a better team than what they had last year. But they have got to find a way to score because right now the defense is great, but the offense isn't going to score with anybody. And until they figure that out, Auburn's going to be, they're going to be struggling to get some wins in SEC play. Let's get to a break. We'll come back. We'll have the question of the day. Then we'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick. All that coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn like a sports leader. Question of the day, we talked about it in the first hour. We would love to get your thoughts on it. Is talking Auburn football, of course, the transfer portal wide open, recruiting is wide open with signing day coming up in just about eight days. The question of the day, we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Who are the names for Auburn that they should be going after in the transfer portal slash recruiting trail and the names that they absolutely have to land in the next few weeks for Auburn to consider this whole month of December a success? Uh, well, I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's harder right now to figure out the the transfer portal side of things Mm -hmm. just because that one feels a little more open season you don't know who all's in there you don't know it's it feels harder for people to realize who's been offered and who hasn't um you need to go get five offensive linemen out of the transfer transfer portal figure out who they are who knows um I mean, a Johnny Cornelius is a huge one that if you landed, would that has a significant impact. Um, I feel pretty good when you look at um, the the receiver position. I think Auburn is squarely in it with Ra-Ra Thomas. Um, it feels like Georgia may, may be a little more confident at this point in time. Uh, and then I, I feel that the... Deontay, uh, is it Thompson? Well, the the Oregon transfer, the the really big guy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to to find him, um, I feel good about him coming to Auburn. I feel like that all of the Oregon connections on Auburn's roster is helping Auburn greatly in that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's going to be an interesting time period. Tight end, you got to feel feel good about Auburn's chances with R- Rivaldo Fairweather. Um, 
in the in the on three predictions, ninety nine point four percent of the predictions are going to uh, Auburn, and point one percent of the predictions are going to Georgia Southern. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yeah, I just found that funny as I as I happened to look at it. Um, quarterbacks is going to be the interesting one. I think Grayson McCall. I think is that's priority the name. number one. Yeah, I think that's the name. And and again, we've talked about how. Auburn's got to go after a guy at quarterback. Doesn't have to be your long-term guy. Grayson McCall is definitely not long-term. But bring a guy in that's got experience, that's got some skill, that can A, compete for the job, possibly be your starter next year, and let Robbie Ashford develop a little bit more under a coach and coaching staff that will actually develop the guy. We have had this conversation multiple times. When's the last time Auburn had a quarterback that actually got better during his time at Auburn? Ooh, that's a question. When's the last quarter? Who was the last quarterback that actually left Auburn better than they were when they showed up? Jason Campbell. <laughs> I mean, like literally cause, cause though. Cam Cam was awesome from start to finish, and like, if he I got mean, better, Auburn could, didn't have anything to do could, with it. You could say Cam got better, but I think that's just from being out on the field more often, right? You said Brandon Cox and Jason Campbell. Brandon Cox, yeah, that's I was going those two. That's a long time, my friend. Yeah, that's a long time. You're approaching 20 years for Jason Campbell of a quarterback to not be developed. Which is this is not just us bashing. This is the truth. Auburn yeah. does not develop quarterbacks at a high level, if at all, recently, and that is a big, big struggle. I think okay, uh, kind of similar idea to to Cam Newton that it's just one year, and I would like to see how he looks down the road. I think Robbie Ashford got better. Yeah. He, he was hurt, which I think greatly impeded his ability to be a good passer. Well, you could say Bo Nix got better in his final year than he yes. was the first two, but I'm I saying... Agree. Like, I think he did, but from year to year... I'm talking like true development. You know what I mean? Like You can nitpick and say, sure, Bo Nix got better in his final year than he was the first two this years. This is astoundingly But the, he did sad. not develop at Auburn like he has at Oregon, right? I mean, that's a that's a fact for sure. And But that's what I'm talking about is I it's been it. a long it. time. It's Chris Todd. It's Chris Todd. Chris Todd from Chris year Todd, one to year yeah. two. Chris Todd in year two was had one of the best single seasons an Auburn quarterback's ever had. It just... We forget about it because the next year's Cam Newton. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's that's Chris fair. Todd. Yeah, it's yeah. I think that's a good answer. Which I'm pretty sure he was the JUCO guy too. So like, where's the like? If you go high school quarterback, oh gosh, it, it is it is Jason. Campbell it would be Jason Cowboy and Brandon. Yeah, but but okay. Back back to this question about important <laughs> important players to go get. You got about thirty seconds. High school level offensive linemen and defensive linemen because the cupboard is bare. You need to go get DJ Chester. You need to go get Isaiah Jada, uh, who's a Juco guy. Uh, Isabian Miller, who's committed to Ole Miss. Connor Liu. James Smith, Quay, Quay Russaw. All of those guys. Keldrick Falk. You got to go get bodies. Some big names that Auburn's got to go and get. Let's get to the break. When we come back, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, will join us on the other side. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in uh, a good buddy of ours, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. He joins us every Tuesday here on the show. Trey, it's nice to have you on. Uh, we know that it is a, it's a tough time around the game of college football and sports, really, right now with the news of Mike Leach, uh, of course, head coach of Mississippi State, passing away last night. Just your your memory of of Mike Leach as the Mississippi State head football coach and really just the legend of college football guys it's good to join you today uh, I hate the circumstances that, that we're having to talk but man just uh what a what a life Mike Leach led in in 61 years um uh, gone too young uh, mm-hmm. but just a coach that will be remembered for not being your average college football coach, um, not, you know, a, a guy that got up to a press conference and would start talking about potentially a player injury, and he would end the press conference by talking about the Florabama Lounge in Orange Beach, <laughs> Alabama. Right. Uh, which, which I remember vividly him, him talking about that in conversations that I've had uh, with, with him in the past. Just a, you know, he, he was so different. And that is a good thing nowadays, guys. We we don't we don't need robots on the sideline. You know this this was a coach that he is known for that offense that that, that they uh, him and Hal Mummy uh, put together. Um, and and you know his time at Texas Tech. How could folks ever forget? You know the the, the crazy play. You know, with Michael Crabtree down the sidelines and Texas Tech beats Texas and they're number one in the country and, you know, Mike Leach is the head coach and, you know, his, his time there and, and he goes to Washington State and, you know, does really good things up in Pullman and, you know, just it felt like when he joined the Southeastern Conference, um, I don't know how he would have done at a school like Georgia Mm-hmm. At a school like Tennessee, a school like Alabama, you know, but Mississippi State felt like it just fit Mike Leach and what he was able to do over three seasons there in Starkville. Um, he's going to be remembered uh, for a very, very, very long time, and um, he, he deserves it. And I know we'll get into to some of the stuff that he did, but it's been a tough couple of days, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. When the news first came out on Sunday morning, I started getting some text messages uh, for some sources. Man, my heart broke just because I knew how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm so happy that he was surrounded by family. I'm so happy that, that they got his daughters into town um, to, 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 to say final goodbyes. And um, just a great man, a really great man. Yeah, so Trey, let's, let's I guess, talk about the, the legacy of Mike Leach. I mean, his fingerprints are prints are all over the game of college football. We were looking at his coaching tree and just how he's impacted all of these coaches. How do you see the his legacy playing out over the years and decades to come around the game of college football? You know, I, I think he's going to be a coach that was, is going to be remembered for his brash humor. Um, I, I think that, you know... Like I was, I was thinking about it the other night. You know, I remember back to it was just recently. It was just in July, where at SEC Media Days, and Greg Sankey gets up there and gives him this long introduction to the podium. And he's talking about, <laughs> you know, how he's traveled to 
Cambodia and, and I think it was Peru and how he's a avid uh, uh, World War II connoisseur and you know he's a his Netflix recommendations like those are the type of things that that stood out to me is that you know you wouldn't do that for a coach like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart but you would do that for Mike Leach because he did not take himself seriously and I mean that in a sense of he understood what he was trying to do. Um, he understood the impact that he was trying to make on kids' lives by, you know, tough lessons in college, learning. It's not always going to be college football. you got to wake up in the morning. You're going to have to go about You're going to have to live your life one day, you know, with maybe a couple kids and a family. And he was trying to teach these kids. And um, I think his legacy is going to live on forever because what's the first thing you think of? Like, like I'll say this, like, you know, Maybe folks 15, 20 years older than me, 20, whatever. They might think, you know, when we say air raid offense, okay, the first thing that might come to their mind is, well, how mummy? Well, if you say air raid offense to me, somebody in his mid-30s, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is, is Mike Lee. Absolutely. And, and I think that and that's not a slight to how mummy because they, they came up with this thing together. But – you know, that, 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 that's how he's going to be remembered. Think about this. Like, if you've got a game going on, you know, I, I don't know, in Austin, Texas, or whatever, and, and some team's just throwing the ball around like crazy, some, one of the announcers is going to be like, man, look at this air raid offense. But that's just what we say now when we're talking about a team that throws the football as much as some do, you know? And, but it all goes back to Mike Leach. And, and I think, man, his, his, just his, his impact – off the field, on the field. This is a guy, guys, he just lived life. I'm talking about a guy that would sit down in Key West. He would sit at some random dive bar with some Jimmy Buffett playing in the background. He'd have himself a mixed drink. He'd watch the boats come in out of the ocean onto the docks, watch them unload the fish, just chill out, hang out with the locals, and just be a regular person. He didn't need to be a head coach. He didn't need to be some famous guy he was just Mike Leach down there along the coast, along, you know, down in, down in Key West and in mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin were talking about it. You know, he was just one of the regular guys. And I think that's, I think that's what I'm going to remember a lot about him is how he was able to separate himself from the head coach and also just being the man. We're joined by Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick here on On the Line. Obviously, uh, Trey, doing what you do, covering the SEC for OutKick, uh, I'm sure you uh, had some some contact with Mike Leach, and you've already given some yeah. great some great tidbits and, and stories. But in your times being in contact and in in talks with Mike Leach, what's the best story that you've got between the two of you? Uh, so it was um, it was not this past media day. Me day before, so 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're sitting around just having a conversation. We, we had bumped into each other, and we, we've known each other, but we bumped into each other uh, at the coffee station, right out right near the hotel, whatever. And we just get to talking, and, you know, we're just talking about life. He's asking me how I've been doing. You know, we had just had a phone conversation two weeks before. But, um, he, he asked me, he said, man, did you, did you catch the latest season of Ozark? And I was like, well, no, Mike, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not really an Ozark fan. He goes, what are you talking about? You're not an Ozark fan. You gotta, you have to imagine Mike Leach talking, you know, when he says this. And 
And I was like, well, I don't know, coach. It's just, you know, I, I never really got into it. You know, the, the crime in the backwoods of Arkansas. Well, well, Trey, that's the best part about it. You know, they're, they're running drugs. They're funneling money. They're doing this all the backwoods of Arkansas. You know, it, it's so easy for them to be able to do it. It's crazy. You know, if, if I got away from coaching, maybe I'd go live in the Ozarks one day. And I'm like, man, this guy is really getting into this show. And I was like, and I, we were sitting there talking. I was like, Mike, you're going to end up somewhere on the beach. He goes, oh, I know. I'll end up at my beach house. But if I do get a chance to, I'll go spend a couple of weeks in the Ozarks. Maybe I'll get to understand what it's like to launder some money without anybody knowing about it. It's the craziest thing. He sat there and talked to me about this darn show for probably 30 minutes over a cup of coffee. And we're just going back and forth and, and talking about Jason Bateman and the other actors in it. It's it just, it's the small things that stand out to me. It is, you know, me walking into a press conference one day. Uh, I, I had a suit on. Uh, I, I don't normally wear, like, you know, the suits and whatnot. Uh, and Mike Lee saying, oh, I see you wore a tie today. What's a special occasion? You know, and it's just those little smart aleck comments from me that I know that were just in good faith and good fun. And, and you know, and I could go on. There, there's other stories that probably are not appropriate for the radio. <laughs> um, and, and that's okay. But um, I tell you, um, it's going to be it's going to be hard to find another guy with a personality like that mm-hmm. um, in in all of sports. Let's just be honest: in all of sports, that cared about his job, but also at the same time understood that he's just a regular human being trying to live out his own life. Yeah, I mean, Trey. I guess final question before we we let you get out of here quickly. Yeah, buddy. The the yeah. outpouring of thoughts and prayers you've seen from across college football. I mean, even rival head coaches like Lane Kiffin, who put out a really like great and moving statement as well. Yes. How do you, how do you see like, I guess what, what I'm asking is what does that say about the person Mike Leach is and the impact he's had on so many lives and what he just really means to, to the college football world? Yeah, I you know I was talking to Lane the other night, um, and uh, and I called Lane and I and I said, hey buddy, um, you know I'd love your thoughts on Mike Leach. Like you know we've had conversations, but like you know what what's your thoughts on Mike Leach and the situation that he's in right now? And, and Mike Leach had not passed yet or anything like that. People were still trying to gather information Sunday night when when I was talking to Kiffin. And I I had put up Kiffin's quote. Um, because he meant it in good faith. You know, he, he didn't mean it in a way of, you know, leads his past. But, but he, he said something to me, you know, he, he, he's going to miss the, the text messages and the jabs. Um, these guys were competitors. Um, they weren't, you know, they weren't like best friends. You know, if you're coaching at Ole Miss and you're coaching at Mississippi, Mississippi State, like you can try to take the business out of it every now and then. Mm-hmm. But – it's the uh, the back and forth banter that that Lane was was talking to me about that stood out and having fun and trying to out scheme him. You know that you got to think about. Just think about this for a second. You got Lane Kiffin, offensive genius, on one side. Mike Leach on the other side. They're both trying to out scheme each other. Can you imagine the chess match <laughs> and both right. of their heads trying to figure out how to do something against the other team's defense? Um, I think what you've seen from around the country today, whether that be from Kirby Smart 
to 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 Ryan Day, to you name it. Everybody is is talking about Mike Leach, and I think that goes to show you the impact that he had on the college football world. Um, and, and I think that you know when we look back on it, you're going to see a lot more over the next 24 to 48 hours. You're going to see a lot more people showing up. I promise you, you are going to see a lot of head coaches that are going to show up in Starkville uh, for his memorial. Um, It's going to be a celebration of life. Mississippi State is going to play in their bowl game. It's fittingly going to be played at Raymond James Stadium, home of the permanent pirate ship, (laughs) uh, where Mm -hmm. the Buccaneers play at. I'm just – guys, he was well-respected. He was loved. He might not have been understood by a lot of people, but I promise you that they respected him. And I think that was the biggest thing that stood out. And if you ask Mike Leach, hey, man, do you care if other people respect you or not? He'd probably say, no, let's go have a drink and let's talk about it. But I'm telling you, you know, looking back on it right now and reflecting on Mike Leach, um, it, it warms my heart to see everybody – Uh, that is coming out with statements and and talking so nice about him because he's a man that deserves Mm -hmm. it, and um, he will be greatly missed. He will be greatly missed, guys. Well, there's no doubt about it, and Trey, I wish we had better things to talk about today, but that's the story, and it, it it deserves all of our time, especially with you doing what you do. Trey Wallace covers the SEC for OutKick. Man, we know we got to run. We appreciate your time. Go ahead and plug yourself real quick before you get out of here. Yeah, guys, you can follow me at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. Follow all my work at Outkick.com. I always appreciate coming on with you guys. Next week, we'll talk about some Auburn uh, coaching hires that Mm y'all have made over the last uh, week or two. I have my thoughts. I promise you that. Absolutely. We'll get you next week, Trey. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. That is Trey Wallace. Again, he covers the SEC for OutKick. Kind enough to join us on this Tuesday afternoon. Talking all things Mike Leak, of course, the the story around college football. We'll get to our final break, come back, and give our final thoughts of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, big, big thank you to Trey Wallace, uh, who, again, he covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, he does a fantastic job. If you've never read his coverage, uh, please do go to OutKick.com. You can find it all right there. Uh, you can definitely tell uh, that Trey had a relationship with Mike Leach. He liked him and respected him a whole lot. I thought he had some extremely kind words to say uh, about Mike Leach, of course, him him passing away uh, late last night. Yeah, I mean, you you can feel the, the impact that um, Mike Leach has on people when you when you just hear, I mean, yeah. a member of the media uh, who... You, you you could feel the impact that Mike Leach has had on Trey, uh, and I think that and he's the, one of millions, literally. The more people you talk to, the more I think that that is going to be something you you hear more and more, and you get that feeling of of just how beloved of a figure he 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 was, um, and how the impact of this is going to be felt. I mean. It's going to be felt all over the United States. It's going to be felt elsewhere. I mean, he coached, yeah. He coached. Uh, I believe I saw this somewhere. I think I saw Justin Ferguson tweet about this. He went and coached in Europe before he coached in, uh, in college football, I think. 
Yeah, I mean he he was he was uh, he was coaching in Finland. Wow. So like like the reach of Mike Leach stretches beyond the the U- United States, and it can't be understated just just what his impact is on the game of football uh, from a from an X's and O's perspective but from a personal perspective as well yeah and I go back to to my statement earlier and this is not in a negative way towards any other coach in college football or in sports but how many other coaches are going to have this reaction to them passing away right I mean this is this is the biggest story in sports today and this is a guy and again this is not I I I hope this is not coming off in a bad way but he was the head coach of Mississippi State football right I mean it's a big time thing here in the south it's a big time thing in in the state of Mississippi but most of the people in Washington or California don't really care about Mississippi State because the people of Mississippi don't care about University of Cal right that's what I'm trying to say but everybody cares about this story and everybody feels the impact that's the biggest word I've had today is impact of this news about Mike Leach because of his impact that he had on so many people and I just really think there's a small small handful of coaches and people in this world really that have this amount of reaction when news like this breaks and it's not it's not unwarranted right he didn't just he wasn't just a famous guy that everybody sat he truly touched the lives of just so many people and you can tell that by talking to guys like Trey Wallace when you when you look at his tenure as a coach it kind of does make sense how he he has had there's this type of reaction Mm -hmm. and around Mike Leach like he went to BYU he coached at Cal Poly uh he coached out on the west coast for a little while then he Ended up at Iowa Wesleyan, then to Valdosta State in Georgia, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State. He's coached all over the country and I think has made just such an impression on so many people. And he was so willing to to because not a lot of coaches I feel like are willing to to literally a random person make a personal connection. Mike Leach being mm-hmm. willing to do so for it felt just felt like just about everybody. I mean, there's uh, I missed it on Twitter, but there was a sports r- r- reporter who heard she was I guess she was covering Washington State or something. She heard when she first got there and first met him, mm-hmm. she had heard that he walked to work every day, and I was like, in the summer it looked like, and so she asked him if if he could join her or if she could join him. And he said, yeah. Just make sure you have good shoots because like he would walk like <laughs> right. miles and miles to work every day. And there's yeah. a picture of them walking to work. That, That's really that, cool. That day. But it's like he was so willing to make that those personal connections. Mm-hmm. Um and he had such a unique personality and was so willing to to I guess instill his wisdom to people that yeah, I mean, it's not shocking that there's been this type of reaction to the passing of Mike Lee. Mike Leach, gone too soon, a huge impact in a lot of people's lives, uh, has officially passed away late last night. We hit a lot on it today, and his legacy will live on for a long, long time. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.